Okay, so last week we, we started off by speaking about the Torah's focus on ideas. And we said that not only does the Torah place a tremendous emphasis on uh, actions, halachot, actions, how to behave appropriately, the Torah places a major emphasis on ideas and how to think appropriately. We asked, and, and we understood that these ideas and how we're supposed to be thinking is the basis for our hashkafa, right? Essentially, an, an approach to thinking, an approach to ideas, an approach to what it is that is truthful. And what we mentioned is there are different places where we can learn the truth from. But it's not so simple to learn the truth. And we have a bit of a different approach than, uh, than, than others, than secular philosophers or other religions, to how we arrive at the truth. Right? We are more limited both in our conclusions as well as uh, in, our, in our derech, in our process. Right? So we saw last week the option that the seichel, the intellect, may be a way of determining truth. Now that, if you hold by that, so that, is, that certainly shares, um, that certainly is in common between you know, many uh, world philosophies, assuming that you can use your intellect to arrive at the truth. But even if you take that route, as we saw the Rambam taking that, that route, still you're limited very much in your conclusions. I'll throw out an example. that The Rambam, of course, who places a tremendous amount of emphasis on the Seichel's ability to determine what is true, uh, as opposed to what we are going to see this week, the Rambam places a tremendous amount of emphasis, and in his time, it was almost accepted knowledge that the world did not have a starting point or ending point. It was just something that, is, as far as they could understand, as far as they knew, always existed. It always existed. That was the contemporary thought of the time. Of course, that didn't really change as the contemporary thought until relatively recently with the Big Bang Theory. But up until then, the, the you know, prevailing theory was that the world had a starting point and ending point. And the Rambam mentions in his Maranavuchim that the truth is that seems like a very, very reasonable position to him. As far as he's concerned, it sounds extremely reasonable. Right? And uh, furthermore, the Rambam elsewhere, the Rambam elsewhere, like for example, the corporality of God, seeing God not as a physical being, right? So, so he says, I don't want to get too distracted, I don't want to go too much of a side point. So let's return just what the, the Rambam says about the, the starting of the world, right? So he says it's a completely reasonable opinion, just I can't, meaning the, the, the Torah seems to indicate otherwise. Like that's, like that's as simple as it is. You know, it's, it seems reasonable, I understand the approach, it, it makes sense, but from the way the Torah describes things, now, it seems like that's not the case. It seems like there was a starting point of the world. Now, it's not to say that we can understand the entirety of the creation of the world as simply as just that. And yet, for there to not be a starting point whatsoever, that just seems in direct contradiction to the Torah. So even the Rambam, who believes, like many you know, world philosophies do, that you can use your intellect to essentially arrive at what is truthful, still you're limited in your conclusions by accepted, established Jewish thought. <laughs> the, the question is just, if, it, if you're not contradicting anything that already exists, then can you use your intellect? And then we saw others who don't believe that the intellect is a particularly uh, good source to arrive at the truth. Um, we said that the Malbim believed that the 
that that the goal of the intellect could understand from things that you already know, but cannot arrive at a truthful principle in and of itself. Once you know the truth from the Torah, you can you can expound upon it and understand things from within that idea and apply it, but it can't bring you to truth itself, right? And now we're going to, that, that's the more heavily debated domain in terms of the Seichel. But now we're going to see the two domains that are not really heavily debated, and these are going to be our storehouses of truth. I mean, these are going to be where all the ideas and all the values are located in the Torah. And of course, the first source is the Torah. The first source is the Torah. It's Chamishay Chumshay Torah, as you may have guessed. And if you look in the, the next source, the Sefer Chovot Levavot, right, it's right under the Torah section, the Chovot Levavot explains, it's like, it, it's as simple as reading the, reading the Psukim. Simple as reading the Psukim to understand the Torah's emphasis on ideas and how you're supposed to be thinking. How does it do that? Well, in telling you Yirat Hashem, in telling you Ahavat Hashem, these aren't just, these aren't, not only are they not just actions, but they're things that can't be accomplished thoughtlessly. They're things that take a tremendous amount of effort, and it's something that can't remain external to you. I'm saying you can do an action, do a mitzvah, and not particularly mean it. Right? You have these chabad stands, and everyone, you know, they they put on filling, you know, hundreds of people a day. So some of those people probably believe in God, or I presume most of them, and you know, maybe some of them not so. And some of them believe in the significance of doing mitzvot, and some of them not so. Some of them believe that they're obligated, and some of them not so. But at the end of the day, you're putting on tefillin, so you're putting on tefillin, right? There's not exactly a way to accomplish emuna or ava or yira without meaning it. I don't even know what that looks like, right? It's like, I, I believe in God, like externally speaking, but like not, it's not in here. Well, then, then where is it, right? Because, you know, it's either going to be in here or in here, right? Your heart or your mind or something. Because it can't be in your hands. Your hands can be something that's external to you. What's in your heart? What's in your mind? It either is or it isn't. And the Chovot uh, points out just how many psukim deal not with things that you can do with your hands and not with action-based expectations, but things that you need to think and things that you need to uh, work on for years in order to modify your, your thought process in order to conform to a certain degree of truth, like the, the awe of a Kodesh Baruch Hu and your obligation to serve him. These are things that don't come overnight and they're not actions. They're ideas that you have to refine your, your knowledge in accordance with them. So that's the Chovot Levavot pointing out what should be clear to us, which is that there are countless psukim throughout the Torah that deal not with actions, but how you're supposed to be thinking. Okay. Where else aside from the explicit psukim? So the Marsha points out, and this is the, uh, in his Hakdama to the Chidushe Halachot. So for those who don't know, the Marsha has two commentaries for him on the Gemara, which is the Chidushe Halachot and the Chidushe Agadot. Right? So one of them is his commentary on the halachic aspects of the Gemara and the Shaklavataria that determine the halacha and the other ones you'll find in the Agadatas. So you come across, across a strange Agadata in the Gemara and you want to know what it's talking about so you could look in the, Mar- in, in, in the Marsha and he'll give you a little bit of a taste, an essence, an idea, an explanation of some of the Agadata you're dealing with. 
And in the Chidush Ayalach, what he writes as follows in the Akdama. Ube'emet, hinani ro'eh ata mechokmei ha-Talmud, shasu chibur echad me'ilchot ve'agadot. Right, he says, I, you know, I've noticed uh, many perushim in the Gemara, many chachamim, actually put their perushim together. Interestingly. Right? They, they don't have a perush on the Agada and a perush on the Halacha. They just have one perush. Ki Torah achat hilanu. Because fundamentally, well, we only have, we have one Torah. That's why they made one perush. Says essentially, we have one Torah, okay, and there are different ways to be mefarish that Torah. Some of the psukim are dealing with laws, and so we are mefarish the the psukim and the laws, and we understand the extent to it, you know, the the nature of our obligations. Some of those psukim deal with ideas. And we understand val- we understand Musr from the Psukim, and we understand Amuna from the Psukim. So essentially, the reason why they made it one safer is because they're doing the same thing. Chazal, when they give us these explanations, are not making these things up. Just like when they, just like when they're working through the halachic sugyas in the Gemara, you know that they're commenting on the psukim and going on what's written in the Torah, and it's a perush. So too, when they're speaking about agadata, they're talking about perushim in Torah. They're trying to convey to you the inner musr, the inner ideas that the Torah would like you to lead your life by. It's the same. It's two sides to the same coin, essentially. The Marsha explains, right? And therefore, they made one perush because. They identified that it was two sides of the same thing, and there isn't a major difference between the Gemaras that deal with the Halacha and the Gemaras that deal with the Agada. We're just trying to understand the Torah. The Torah has two, two, primarily, two primary focuses. So based on that idea that the, that the Torah has you know, two elements of Perush, the Perush in the Halacha and the Perush in the Agada, the parish and the, the, the ideas. So you can see that the Maharal explains a little bit further in his Akdama to Kvurot Hashem that actually by darshaning out these psukim, by darshaning out psukim in different areas of the Torah, you can learn different things about a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And this is how we understand the Darkei Hashem. This is how we understand how a Kaddish Baruch Hu interacts with his creations. And this is how we understand our nature. And our spiritual being, it depends on the pasuk you're darshaning. Yeah, question. But if the Torah is speaking in analogy or metaphor, isn't it like hard to find one like one objective way of looking at it? I think that's true for the halacha as well, right? Because we have quite a few machlokets in a halacha, and we, you know, and, and, and we debate how it is that, you know, how to understand what the Torah wants us to do. So I think the same is true for our ideas, for our amuna, and from our musr, is that we're going to be darshaning out the psukim, just like we darshan out for halacha. Just like we've been learning in morning seder, of, you know, darshaning out kol chelev to understand the iser by chatzishur, and, uh, and by, you know, chelev of a koir. Okay, so we darshan out the psukim as well to arrive at, at these ideas, to arrive at the musr, to arrive at, at, at amuna. And of course, there are debates, like there are debates in anything. So the, the Maharal points out that based on the Gemara, uh, or he quotes in, the, in, in Bereshit Rabbah, that, um, that essentially there are multiple parts of Torah, and some of them are appropriate to darshan openly, and some of them are really not appropriate to darshan openly. Right? And he says, Masa Bereshit, 
this is not an appropriate place to darshan openly. Why? Because these deal with some of the more intimate aspects of God's hanhaga, of Kaddish Baruch Hu's involvement in the world. Right? Because this is the creation of the world. So it's not really, it's not really, not, appropriate may not be the right word, but it's a very, very intimate part of Kaddish Baruch Hu and, 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 and his way of interacting with the world that uh, it's really not appropriate to speak about it openly. And Kalva Chomer, something called Masa Merkava, which is not just how Akadosh Baruch Hu created the world, but, but just some, some of the more intimate secrets about spirituality itself. It says these are things that are just very, very intimate ideas about Akadosh Baruch Hu, and not really, uh, not really appropriate to be speaking about openly. And then you have something called the Sodha Arayot, right? And that is a reference to the the. Uh, the, the, found, the fundamental spiritual ideas of, of how we were created. Not just of our physical being, and you can study our physical being, but we also have a spiritual being and a spiritual characteristics. Is these ideas also, they're very, very intimate ideas. And it's not so, and it's not appropriate to speak about them openly. It says, however, after we reach Masa Bereshit, after we pass Masa Bereshit, which is about how Kodesh Baruch Hu created the world. And after you go through Masa Merkava, right, which is about how, how Kodesh Baruch Hu functions, not just in, you know, in respect to the world, but how he functions in essence. And beyond the Sod HaRayot, then we just have the Psukim that deal with how HaKadosh Baruch Hu interacts with his creations. How he interacts with a nation, how he interacts with individuals, how he interacts with the world and his Hashgacha. We can see, he says, from those Psukim, if you darshan those Psukim, you understand what's appropriate to understand, which is fundamentally the nature of our relationship to God. So on one level, you'll understand from those psukim, perhaps, our different expectations, our different requirements, our different mitzvot, our different halachot, right? But if you want to understand the nature of our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, so you darshan out the psukim to talk about a Kaddish Baruch Hu's interaction and relationship with the people and with his nation and with the world. And what we saw is the Chavot Levavot explaining that there are explicit psukim to talk about ideas, sure, and values, yeah, but there's a level of perush for the Torah that it, you know, explains not just the, not just the halachot, but a level of perush for the Torah that explains the ideas upon which the Torah is predicated and the ideas that are, are supposed to be integral in the way that we live our lives. And that shouldn't, really shouldn't be a chiddush to anyone who's learned perush Rashi on the Torah. You know, like the Ra- Rashi, every time he brings an idea, how, how, how much of Rashi's writing is halachic in nature? Right? All the Midrashim he brings in, and all the ideas that he brings in, they're Perushim on Torah. He's explaining the Psukim to you. Explaining what these Psukim may mean on a deeper level. Right? And the ideological implications that ensue from them. Right? And we mentioned that, okay, based on different parts of the Torah, Masa Bereshit, Masa Merkava, or just the Kaddish Baruch Hu's, uh, uh, regular interactions with people, so you can understand uh, different parts of how of 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 Hakadosh Baruch Hu's hanhaga in this world. Okay, and this is where we get truth from. This is where we get truth from, and this is how we know. And so, if you want to sit back and guess, well, I think God would do this for people. You know, I've, I I like to look at God as a merciful God, right? I was you know I was asked I was asked like you know I, I hear from a lot of you know certain certain approaches to religion and different uh, religious ideologies. You know, God is like a harsh judging God and you have to be very, very careful. Does, does Judaism believe in that or are we, you know, do we have a, a nicer God than they have? And the truth is, 
no one is at liberty to guess the answer to that question. No one's at liberty to say, oh, I'm more comfortable with the idea of a caring and merciful God. I, it doesn't make sense to me that God is so harsh and, you know, judgmental. I worship a kind, merciful God. Then, then, then you worship yourself or your own mind, right? Because you can't decide what God is and then worship him, right? God is what he is and, and, and you have to learn about him. So through these ideas, you can understand how the world operates and how Kaddish Baruch Hu operates. I'll give you the perfect example, right? Bereshi bara. Elokim et the Shemayim Rashi right there. Comments. Why say Elokim? Why Belashon Elokim? Why tell me that Elokim created the world? So Elokim has connotations of a judge. Right? And Rashi explains there, based on the Medrash, based on the Gemara Rosh Hashanah, that Akadosh Baruch Hu thought to create the world Bemidat Hadin. Right? And instead, he created the world Bemidat Harachamim, or he saw that if he created the world b'midat hadin, the world wouldn't exist. Meaning God saw it fit and appropriate and proper to create a world of harsh justice. You do, and you're punished. That's the way the world works. But he saw that the world would never exist. It would never survive. If everyone were just punished for everything they did, it couldn't possibly be. Right? So he created the world with more rachamim. But notice Rashi there, he doesn't say he created the world with Rachamim instead of Din. He says, Shatafimo Rachamim. Right? He just included Rachamim within that process. Right? And so we can understand that a Kaddish Baruch Hu maybe thought it was appropriate to create the world Midat Adin. However, the world would never execute its function with Midat Adin, we would just be punished too much. Right? And so there was this idea of we're creating the world now with a balance between Din and Rachamim. Then you can ask further of how the Deen and Rachamim generally works. Well, there's another Gemara, right, that deals with this very question. And ask, wait on a second, what do you mean that God thought to create the world one way and ended up creating the world in another way? Doesn't make any sense. God knows what's right, and he would have done what was right initially. He had thoughts to do it one way and not the other way. The idea is, and whenever it says that God thought to do it one way, and ends up doing it another way, is that the maskana, the conclusion, is not independent of the original thought. It's in addition to the original thought. Meaning what? That if God thought to create the world with din, realized that it wasn't going to exist, and then created rachamim, he didn't create it birachamim. He created it bidin as much as it could, could, could uh, uh, manage until the rachamim comes. So you realize that, the, that what's posed as a havamina and a maskana, what's posed as I thought to do it this way, and really it's a conclusion, is actually, in, in, is actually one solid shita of creating the world in either through merciful uh, tendencies or, or uh, deen tendencies, right? Or judgment-oriented tendencies. All of this Rashi is expounding upon and the Gemara are expounding upon the different word choices in the Torah to say that God, that, that it was Elohim who created the world. Among other psukim, among other ideas, right? But it's a perush on the Torah. It's, uh, it, it's about diukim in the psukim to arrive at such ideas. I couldn't make up that God is a God of mercy or God is a God of, of judgment or he's one or the other, he's both. I can't make that up. I wouldn't know. How would I know? 
Like, what tools would I use to know? How would I even arrive at such a conclusion? But, based on being Mefarish Psukim and darshaning out Psukim, which we'll talk about more when we get into Talmud Torah, so we understand that we can, we, we can build these ideas from there. And then they're truthful, because they came from the Torah. Okay, that's in terms of learning it from Torah. The third option that we saw in the Chovot Levavot was the Kabbalot, Shekibalnu Mekad Moneinu, Shekiblu Minanavim. Right? Certain ideas that we were mikabel, certain misora, certain tradition that we have from our predecessors and they got from Nevi'im. Essentially, we're talking about ideas that Chazal pass on to us that are not necessarily even Chazal's ideas, rather a transmission of ideas from Nevi'im or perhaps just a, clar- a clarification of ideas um, that, uh, that, 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 that existed long before them, or an elaboration of ideas that existed long before them. Okay, but enough abstract speak, let's speak about things a little more tachlis. So, where did, where did our traditions come from? Where did our traditions from Chazal come from? Well, there's a fascinating comment. Rebavadim Vartanur makes a fascinating comment, pretty famous comment, uh, in the first Mishnah on Mesechat Avot. Right, Mesechet Avot being a place that deals, you know, quite significantly with ideas, quite significantly with ideas, right? So he asks, you know, where, where do these ideas come from? So Mesechet Avot starts with the outlining of our Masora, Moshe Kibel Torah Mesinai, Masra Al Zakenim, right? Masra Yeshua Yeshua Zakenim, and there's a kind of an iteration of our Masora, right? But it's interesting. You know, if I were to choose what Masechet should start out with the explanation of our Masorah, I'd either say Brachot, because it's the first Masechet, and that's where I need to understand what my Masorah is, or I'd talk about the thing that deals most with Halacha. Maybe the Masechet that has the most Halachot in it. That should have a, we should, you know, have a strong tradition. Or how about the Masechet with the most amount of Halachot that come from the Torah Shabal Peh, <laughs> as opposed to the Torah Shabichtab? Because then we need a real Chizuk. That, uh, that everything is part of our tradition. So Ravadim Bartanur explains, okay, so why does Masechet Avot start with Moshe Kibbal Torah Messinai? To tell you that the ideas that are being discussed in Pirkei Avot are just as much Torah L'Moshe Messinai as our Torah Sheval Peh. And this is where they got it from. Right? So, you know, you're learning Masechet Avot and you're learning the value of being Mechabal Kol Adam Besever Panim Yafot to accept people you know, with a, you know, with a, to positively, this is not just, and this Tana thought that this would be a good, nice thing to do. This is a matter of religious significance. This is expounding upon something that, Torah, that, that, that Moshe gave us from Har Sinai. This is something of godly significance. This is something that's halach Moshe Misinai. But of course, you're not going to assume that. You're so much more likely to assume that that will be the case, you know, by the halachot than by these ideas. But no, these ideas came from Moshe Rabbeinu as well. Not necessarily in this exact form, as we know that halacha also doesn't necessarily come down in the exact form. But this is an interpretation of things that Moshe Rabbeinu received at Har Sinai. Okay, so furthermore, uh, we have uh, Mishlei. Mishlei, right? So we, have, we spoke about where we learn things from the Torah, and we spoke about how we learn things from Halacha uh, Moshe Sinai. In addition, we have things from the Nevi'im. Where did Chazal get all these, their ideas from? Well, they probably learned them. 
So Mishle is a very, very rich bank of ideas. It's a, several Mishalim, several metaphors. And if you expound upon these metaphors, you understand very deep and, you know, very, very deep truths that were conveyed to us by one of the most brilliant, if not the most brilliant person who also happened to be a Navi, Shlomo Melech. So you read the, the Malbim and his commentary on, on Mishle, he explains just that. Ladat Chochma. Tachlit HaSefer Hu Ladat Chochma. Geder Chochma. He Ladat Bechol Hamidot Vadrachim Vau Manhigim Shiyesh. בכל אחד מהם שני דרכים הפוכים זה מזה, כמו אכזריות, רחמים, גאווה, ענווה, איזו בושה, אכילה צום, קדושה תומה, שהנהגה על פי דרך אחד היא חוכמה והפוכה הסכלות. למשל, להתנהג בעוונו היא בענווה, היא חוכמה להתנהג בגאוות היא סכלות. לפעמים גאווה חוכמה וענווה סכלות, כמו נגד רשעים וזדים. וכן בכל דבר שיפול להם שם טוב ורע נהה ומגונה, תלמד החוכמה באיזה דרך ילך ואיך מתי וכמה ישתמש בכל מידה. Explains the Malvim as follows. The goal of Mishle is to teach you חוכמה. What does חוכמה mean? חוכמה means how to live your life properly. But more specifically, it deals with how to balance different values in this world in an appropriate manner. So he says, you know, there are different values, there are different ideas, there are different midot, character traits of a person. There's humility, and then there is uh, arrogance. Now, you might think, okay, so I should live my life with humility and I shouldn't live my life with arrogance. Not necessarily. There's a certain degree of humility that is, that, that's not wise. If you can't even identify your value and your worth such to contribute, you know, towards the, towards the world. Think about Talmidei Chachamim. Think about all the Torah they've shared with us, the shirim that they've given, and the books that they've written. Well, what if they had a fundamental doubt as to what I'm right, what, I'm, what, I, what I think is not worth sharing. It's not worth writing. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not worth it. It's not particularly significant. It's not particularly meaningful. Who am I? So you wouldn't have these books. Right? Well, you know, what if Rav Yosef Karo didn't uh, understand that he was, you know, one of the most brilliant halachic minds of his time or of his century or since then, for that matter, and he needed to share his understanding of halacha with the world, because he was just so humble that, uh, that he couldn't even see his own worth. And, uh, and the other side of that coin is that arrogance also has its place, right, in a healthy balance. So maybe the balance is weighted more one side to the other. But chachma is about knowing how to live your life r- properly by understanding the fine lines between good and bad, between appropriate and inappropriate, between uh, this midah and that midah. And this is essentially what Mishle is coming to teach us, according to the Malbim. So, of course, when we talk about Musr, how to live your life, so these ideas came straight from the, the Nevi'im. And the Al-Shaykh explains a similar thing when it comes to Kohelet. Shlomo Melech is trying to teach you how to live a life of Yerat Shemaim, how to live an appropriate life as a Ben Torah. That's what he's trying to teach you. Because there's a lot of stupidity in the world that you can get caught up with. It can take up all your time, and you can lose focus on what matters. Shlomo Melch is trying to teach you how to live properly. Right? This is the muster that we learned from our Nevi. Right? Uh, finally, uh, we see in the Imsech Ketubot the following. Rav Anan have a ragil Eliyahu de Atigabe. So Rav Anan used to have Eliyahu and Avi. Come visit him. They have a matni le seder de Eliyahu. And he would teach him seder of Eliyahu. Right? Teach him all these uh, ideas. Right? 
Kiata have me baile bauti vaavad tivuta vyativ kame ad afikle sidre vaine de amre sedrle araba sedrle azuta essentially you have rav anan who is taught all these things from eliyahu anavi himself eliyahu anavi who never died but uh, went straight up to shemaim right in uh, in amerkava so he came and taught eliyahu all these ideas uh, rav anan all these ideas and that's what we know as and that's what we know as Seder Eliyahu Rabbah and Seder Eliyahu Zuta. Essentially, this, this hit galut, this certain revelation, that, uh, that, uh, this prophetic revelation almost that came to Rav Anan. And when you, by the way, if you're reading the Gemara and you see something quoted in the name of Tana Debe Eliyahu, that comes from the Beit Midrash of Eliyahu Anavi. That comes from the Beit Midrash of Eliyahu Anavi. Essentially, what we've seen is, in terms of where we get... Where, are, where Chazal got these ideas from, Chazal got the ideas from either Mefurish Psukim, darshening out the Psukim in the Torah, right? learning things from our Nevi'im, or perhaps later rev- revelations even, that they received at different points in time. And uh, this, this kind of goes under the category of Kabbalah, right? different things that are revealed at different points in time. Okay. So, this is where Chazal received these ideas from. Now, I don't know about you, I haven't had one of these revelations, I haven't really darshaned ideas out of a, at a Pasuk recently, I don't have a direct Mesorah, you know, no one came along to tell me, let me tell you exactly what Moshe, you know, told uh, me to say, I didn't really darshan out the Pesukim and Mishle either, so where do we look to find these ideas? Where do we look to find the truth? Where do we look to build a worldview that is firmly centered in Torah and Torah ideas? and not contemporary ideas of our culture, and not ideas that we came up with, that we you know, became immediately enamored with or convinced of. So where do we look? Right, so obviously we have to look to what Chazal gave over to us. So if you look in the Midrash Tanaim, right, so they write as follows. Midrash Tanaim writes as follows in Perakiyot Aleph. Dorshe Rishumot Omrim Kir Amar Vaya Olam. Do you want to understand God? Do you want to recognize God? Do you want to appreciate God? Lamad Hagada. You have to learn Hagada. You have to learn these stories, these ideas that Chazal gave over to us. That's how you learn the Dark Hashem. That's where they're hiding. Furthermore, in the Sechah Ketano, you'll find as follows. Anyone who knows Midrash and doesn't know Halacha, right? anyone who spends all day learning ideas, Midrashim, but doesn't learn Halacha, so he doesn't have Chachma, he doesn't have true knowledge. However, if all you're learning is Halacha and you're not learning Midrash, you're not learning ideas and you're not learning Machshava, right? So maybe you're intelligent, but you have no Yerat you have no idea what Yerat Shemaim is. You don't appreciate the significance of what it means to keep what it is that you're learning. Similar idea. Anyone who learns halacha, but doesn't have... Um, anyone who learns halacha... Sorry, anyone who learns midrash but doesn't have halacha, so it's a very, very strong individual, right? Except he has no weapons. You're, you're a, a, a warrior going out, to, the, going out to, to war, but you don't have a sword. And if you learn halacha, but you don't learn midrash, so you have a sword, but you're weak. 
right? Both of these ideas are essentially indicating that learning halacha is something that gives you knowledge, technical knowledge of what to do, but it doesn't necessarily build your character. You're not going to have yirat shemaim, and you're not going to be strong enough with yourself to keep what it is that you're learning. You're weak, fundamentally. In order to build your character and build yourself up to get to a point where you have the capacity to act upon what it is that you're learning and you have the wherewithal to act upon what it is that you're learning and you care to act upon what it is that you're learning, you, you obviously need to learn Midrash. Right? And these are the things that are going to build your character substantially. Okay. Now, where exactly and how exactly did Chazal teach us all these ideas? So the Rambam and Agdam is to say there's right. I brought the whole thing here, even though uh, we're only going to see a very small part of it. And I recommend that you read it because I think it's an exceptional idea. He writes as follows. Hadrash nimtza Talmud. Okay? The drushes that are in the Talmud. The ideas, the agaratas that we overlook or we think are silly. Uh, it is not appropriate to think that their significance is minimal and that their benefit is uh, lacking. There is unbelievable understanding behind these ideas. Right, there are unbelievable ideas there. And if you're able to analyze properly these drashot, you're able to understand them to the depths, you'll understand the agaratas in their true, true depths. You'll understand ideas about this world. You'll understand things of, of, of tremendous significance, right? Beyond anything else that you could fathom, you would get from these midrashim. If you understand them properly. Right? You'll understand godly matters from them. Right? And, they will, and, and you'd understand some of the, the truths of the universe, the deep underlying truths of, uh, of, of, of what it is that we believe, what the Chachamim never wanted to say openly. Right? It's a, a, a topic for a different time. Why exactly the Chachamim didn't want to teach these things openly, but they were very hesitant to reveal, to explain exactly what uh, uh, the true deeper ideas, the, the, the deep ideas upon which all of religious thought is predicated, they didn't really reveal it openly to people, right? They would just kind of convey it in, story, in stories that seemed silly or interesting or whatever it is. But if you take the stories seriously and dive deep into their meanings, uh, you, you'll find, you know, gems, You'll find glimpses at the truth. You'll find ideas and insights into a Kaddish Baruch Hu that you will not find anywhere else with that amount of clarity. It doesn't exist anywhere else, right? And the Rambam goes on to say that if you do not see the, the depth of the ideas of these stories in the Gemara, uh, so you have to understand that that chisaron, the deficiency, is coming from you, right? But that there are unbelievable secrets here. That, that, that need to be studied, that Chazal are giving over to you, that they are privy to, that they learned, right? And if you fail to see the depth, right, you have to understand that that chisaron, that, that deficiency is, in, is, is within you, right? So there's a, a famous story of Rav Soloveitchik who taught uh, brachot in a Beit Knesset uh, that, that he attended in New York over the course of several years. It took him quite a long time. And he was asked by, uh, by, one, by, by another uh, Rav who, who noticed, said, why is it that in Brachot, 
when you're dealing with the halachic components, and this is one of the most halachal you know, gemaras, there's so much halachal to learn from our everyday lives about brachot, you go through it relatively quickly, and then you reach the agadot, and then and you realize also in brachot there's some wild agadot, this is why you spend so much time on it. Shouldn't it be better that you, that you teach them the halachot properly? Sort of Salvechik said, I go through the halachot and brachot quickly because I understand that my community, that I understand that the people who attend uh, uh, the minion here, if they didn't understand what I was teaching in hilchot brachot, they would say like, ah, must be an interesting chakira that I don't understand, right? So I, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it's emet, it's truth in hilchot brachot, you know, whether I'm supposed to say this bracha or that bracha this time or that time. The, you know, and they'll just assume, okay, I must have missed it. It went too quick for me. I just didn't, I didn't really fully understand what Chazal was giving over. But what if they didn't understand something in the Agado of Brachot? And if you ever learn Brachot, you'll know how much this is the case. They'll be like, this is stupid. What was Chazal talking about? They're saying such crazy things, right? Is that I spent the time teaching the Agado very carefully because I knew that if they didn't understand the Halacha, they'd assume the deficiency is with them. If they didn't understand the stories, they'd assume the deficiency was with Chazal. So I, I couldn't let that happen. All right, finally, I just want to take a look at the, the Ein Yaakov, where he essentially writes, and the Ein Yaakov is a commentary svar on, uh, a sefer on all the Agadita of, the, uh, of Shas, where he essentially writes that he was so excited to have the opportunity to write such a sefer because it's just, he's, he's enamored with these ideas. Right, that he can go through all the agaritas and shas and dig down into their depths. He was thrilled to do so, and he says, "Whenever, I, whenever I had kind of a practical maskana from any of these agaritas, a divrei musr or a truthful idea, an idea of musr or whatever it may be, uh, or a, of emuna, I, I made sure to write it down." Right, because there are so many gems here. I was so excited to be able to go through these things properly and in depth, so that I can fully appreciate for myself and, 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 and reveal to those who are reading it the deeper ideas that the Gemara is trying to convey to us. Okay, so we're going to stop here. I just want to summarize what we saw today quickly. So we saw that, uh, of course, last week we saw that there's some debate around the role that the intellect plays in, terming, in determining what is truthful. However, in terms of the things that we learn from the Torah, like explicit psukim, or in the perush, in commentaries in the Torah, or in the drushas on the psukim of the Torah, right? So this, this is a primary source by where we can uh, uh, find truth, right? We also said that the Nevi'im passed down truth to us. And we said that Moshe passed down truth through Allah Moshe Misenai that, uh, uh, that, that, that made its way to Chazal, right? And then that Chazal kind of took all these ideas and they spelled it out for us, either explicitly like we see in the Mishnayot, in Pirkei Avot, um, which is more words of, a lot of words of Musr with some deeper ideas as well. Uh, or they've kind of conveyed it to us in a hidden fashion through the Midrashim. And that if we take all those sources seriously and we take our time to understand them in depth, the Psukim in the Torah, the Ma'amare Chazal, the Mishnayot, the, 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 the Divrei Nevi'im, we're able to understand the, A, the underlying ideas that, uh, that, that our religion is based on, the underlying ideas that our interaction with the Kodesh Baruch Hu is based on, the underlying ideas that a Kodesh Baruch Hu's interaction with the world is based on. But we also start to understand what's expected from us in the domain of thought. And how not just to behave appropriately, but how to use our minds appropriately as well uh, in accordance with the, the, the truthful ideas and values that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has uh, relayed to us throughout the generations. Here we'll stop and uh, next week we'll pick up with the ideas that, uh, of maskanot in Agarita. What about drawing conclusions? Meaning in Gemara, of course, we know we draw conclusions and we ask, well, how am I supposed to pass in Lahalacha? 
But in Agartha, what do we do? There's just this discussion of ideas. Is it appropriate and should we be trying to reach conclusions in our, in our search uh, for ideas? Here we'll stop. Uh, shukar, guys.